Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, Blazers fans. Welcome to the Blazer Focus Podcast. And look who I drug in to the podcast today, Joe Freeman. He's been ducking me like Pacquiao did Mayweather back in the day. I finally dragged him away from his many different hats he's been wearing at the Oregonian as we keep making him do this and making him do that. But now he has no more excuses because I got him on the podcast. Training camp has started. I cover the beat, but Joe still remains our resident Blazers guru. I will give him that honor, even though he probably doesn't want it because he knows that's why I keep bringing him out here. But anyway, I'm Aaron Fetchers. He's Joe Freeman. Camp has started. A new era. Chauncey Billups has taken over. The same starting five, some minor tweaks here and there. Uh, first two practices were on Tuesday. They resume again today on Wednesday. Monday was uh, media day. Joe, let's just get a, a big picture view from you. You've covered a million of these things. I know you didn't come to media day, but you've watched some videos. Could you get a sense of the feel, the tenor of this thing? And was it at all different than in years past? Well, you know, media day is always kind of like a, a, um, everything's on, optimistic on. and everybody's added muscle mass or lost weight or changed <laughs> their diet or you know, worked right. on their handle or worked on their shot. And, you know, the 15th man is going to emerge as a starter and everybody's, you know, it's kumbaya. So from that standpoint, because all that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, that comes with the territory. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's justifiable. I mean, it's like the first day of school. Everybody's excited to be back. It's everyone's got straight A's. Yeah. 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 Let's see where we're at in like eight days after two a days of training camp, after, you know, training camp grinds on and Chauncey's uh, fresh new voice becomes a little less fresh and a little more grinding. Um, so we'll see where we're at there. But yeah, I mean, you could definitely sense, I mean, I mean, it is, it, it is new and it is different because for the first time in nearly a decade, you know, there's a new voice running practice with new thoughts and, uh, you know, a new philosophy and new terminology. I mean, everything's going to be different to a certain point. And it's not just him. It's from minors. It's a complete coaching staff overhaul. And so, you know, there's a carryover here or a carryover there and the strength and training staff and such, but new video coordinator. So everything you're seeing is new and fresh for the, for this team. Um, and so I think as a byproduct of that, there's going to be just a lot of newness uh, surrounding things. Now, you covered Terry Stotts' first season. Uh, there was a lot of optimism then, but it doesn't – I, well, I mean, of course, there's always optimism when you have a new coach. But he didn't come in with the same sort of uh, cachet as Chauncey does as a, a former player, NBA champion, et cetera, et cetera, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. The biggest difference with them, well, he was coming off an NBA championship as an assistant coach. The biggest difference there was just the expectations of the team and the franchise. They had blown everything up at that point. New GM, new coach, uh, new everything. Uh, the roster was overhauled. Um, you know, that was Damian Lillard's and, you know, Myers Leonard when he was still here. That was their first year. And, and they were expected to be a, a, you know, a bottom basement team. And they very quickly exceeded expectations. And Terry Stott's style and, and offensive minded brand of basketball, uh, you know, sort of, inspired not only the team, but got the fans behind him. And so, you know, they surpassed their expectations. And, and Terry's teams were always pretty good at doing that. This is a completely different situation for Chauncey, who has a bona fide superstar, who has a team with that that isn't talking about championship, but we all know they want to at least be in the mix for a deep playoff run. And um, and then, of course, the whole Damian Lillard factor of of keeping their star happy and so on and so forth. And so it's a much different vibe um, from that standpoint now. True. You, you brought up Lillard. Let's uh, transition to him to start off our list of topics here. He reaffirmed his commitment again on Monday that he wants to stay in Portland, wants to win a championship. Uh, hard to know if, if that could ever change, if things, you know, if they're 20 and 30 at the All-Star break or if they don't make the playoffs or if they're bounced out in the first round again, could he revisit considering asking for a trade, which he did this past summer. Well, I take that back. He put it out there that he wasn't sure what he was going to do. I, I'm not sure I believe that he ever thought about going to Neil O'Shea and saying, trade me. He always said that conversations with Neil O'Shea were productive. I think he he says he felt good about the moves they did make. Now, I know fans were freaking out because they didn't go make some major monumental trade, but they did re-sign Norman Powell, which is something that I was told that when Damian first came out and was a little bit concerned he wasn't sure that was going to happen. And had they lost Powell, that could have been disastrous because you gave up Trent, right? Um, and then, the, you know, every time they, you know, they brought in Zeller, Twitter bashed them. Oh, Damian wants a star and you go get Zeller. Same thing with McLemore. Same thing with Snell. But those were strategic moves that they made. They didn't have cap space. A lot of people don't tend to understand how the cap works because if your starting lineup makes $117 million and the cap's $112 million, it's kind of hard to go out and sign a dude and make a $20 million, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a math issue there. But anyway, he said he likes the moves they make. He, he likes to make up of this roster. He likes what Chauncey Billups brings to the table. You covered Damien since he came into the league. I've only covered him for one year, and that was via Zoom. What what sense did you get from him in, in what he said that day? And did you feel like he is back 100% fully in and on board with this team? He seemed like he was in a really good uh, spot, a really good space mentally. Uh, it seemed like he was very much the same old dame, um, you know, committed to the franchise and content with with his place and in uh, in his role here. Um, and, and, and I know, I, I believe you wrote about some of this as well. It's like, you know, he's had a lot of life things happen with him recently. The, he had the birth of, dude. he, he needs to give a seminar on time management. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I purposely plant, well, you know, a lot of it's out of our hands, but I plan to have my kids as close to the off season as I could. And I did a pretty good job with, with May for mine. So anyway, um, right. Yeah, but he had, you know, the birth of his twins and he had, uh, you know, his, his marriage to his, his college sweetheart who he's, who he's been with for, 
you know, 15 years or, or however long yeah. it's been. And so, um, you know, and, and that on top of all of his, you know, work changes, uh, quote unquote, it's been a pretty, uh, you know, life altering stretch for him, you know, and, and, and of course his, his, his Dala rap stuff that he's got going on, you know, he, he released a new album there, which he's been doing pretty much every off season lately, but a lot of monumental stuff for him. And so, I don't know, as, as I'm not quite as old as you, but I'm an old man. And a lot of this stuff over time, it, 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 you know, it settles you or it, it changes your perspective on things. And I don't know if I'm willing to go that deep with where he's at here. You know, maybe he just <laughs> likes Chauncey and he does like a couple of the moves and he was happy with Pal or, you know, he decided that, well, I got to play to, to help myself out or, or whatever. Um, but you do sense that, that he's in a good spot entering the season. And if you're the Blazers, that's, that's all you really can ask for right now. Uh, you didn't get him the star that he wanted if indeed he asked for that. Uh, but as we've talked about, you know, over the offseason, this team is better. This bench is better. Um, and it's better equipped to be better defensively. And, and I think over the course of the regular season, it's poised to be a very good team. Um, and there's still some wiggle room to make, obviously, with, with the deadline, and there's still all the Ben Simmons chatter. And, um, you know, bringing up Ben Simmons, you could be in a situation right now where Dame's not happy like Ben and not showing up to camp. So that could be <laughs> the alternative, right? So um, I think it was nice to see Dame uh, reaffirm his commitment, nice to see where he's at. And uh, if I was a Blazers fan, I'd be pretty happy where things are at right now. Yeah, I think it's kind of went off the rails – over the summer because of some of the, you know, anonymous source reporting that was put out there by people and then Dane being a little bit ambiguous during his time with the Olympics. Uh, but basically, if you just, if you just took the sound bites of what he said and, and ignored everything else, he basically said, I want to win. I want to know we have the same urgency. Um, I'm not exactly pleased with where we are. I'm not sure we can win. I don't know what I'm going to do for sure, but as far as I know, no, I'm going to be here next season. Like that's sort of a synopsis of what he said. I never believed for a second that he was going to come out and say, trade me, Neil. I'm out. I mean, he's about to start a supermax that he's, that he signed next, you know, his extension. Um, the Blazers are really in no position to have to trade him. It could have gotten ugly if that ever happened, but Dame's just not, he doesn't strike me as being that kind of person. Right. But I do think a warning shot was fired. Like now everyone knows that my mind could go there. Right. And so next year, if they go, if they get into the first round of playoffs and they lose in a situation where the other team's missing a star player and he's just feeling like this isn't working, then I could see a situation where he's like, okay, let's revisit this. What's best for me and what's best for the franchise? Is it time to just say, we can't get this done. Let's move on. But we're away from that. I, I agree with you. They're going to, they're going to be good. Like it tripped me out. This is one of the craziest things that tripped me out this summer. They lost in the first round. People were freaking out. Trade CJ, blow this up. Neil's got to go. The fire stops. They got the stop switch. This team sucks. This starting lineup sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Then when the over-unders came out, came out 44 and a half, I saw the same people. I'm taking the over. This team's going to win 50 games. I'm like, how can you say the team sucks, but they're going to win 50 games? That doesn't make any sense. You win 51, 52 games. You're a top four seed probably. Last year, they went 42 and 30 in 72 games. They're going to have Powell the entire season. You hope Nurkic and CJ remain healthy. They miss 60. This is a 50-win team. If you're 50 wins, you should be a team that should win in the first round. So I think they're going to be good, and I think that's going to make Damian think, okay, we're going to have a shot here. Plus, some of the older the older guard is falling off a little bit. You know, Steph Curry about to be 34, I think. LeBron's 37. 
you know, maybe their time has passed and this team is going to have a puncher's chance to make some noise in that regard. But no, I, I feel like Dame's in a great place. I think the franchise is in a great place where if he's at an MVP level, this team has a chance to, at the very least, be a threat like Phoenix was. Now, Phoenix got lucky because of some injuries, I believe, but that's all you want. You want to be in position to take advantage of the situation. Yeah, and the luck plays a, a big deal. This luck and timing, and uh, and obviously just just competition and the way you're playing at that point, and and there's still potentially moves to be made to once you navigate the first two three months of the season, you find out what kind of team you are and maybe what you're lacking, and then you go you know try to pursue that at the trade deadline. Um, so so it's not like with the roster we see now. I don't believe it's going to be the roster we see heading into the playoffs. I think most of the key components certainly will be. Um, but I mean, it, the biggest question mark or, or not question mark, but the biggest mystery right now surrounds the new coach and it surrounds Chauncey Billups because, you know, he's bringing a new energy and, and a viewpoint and excitement as we've kind of talked about, but it remains to be seen what kind of impact he will make. And, and right now, everybody's saying the right things. And right now, uh, you know, the voice that he's bringing is, is resonating and people are buying into what, what he's selling. But the fact remains that he's never done this. He's never put together a game plan for a regular season game. He, he's never, you know, uh, navigated all the, the drama and stuff behind the scenes that we never see that inevitably unfold through the course of, of an NBA season. Um, you know, he's never had to deal. Well, he certainly has had to deal with NBA personalities, but not, it, you know, with, with, from this seat on the bench. And so um, I guess that's kind of the big, the big question mark right now. And I wonder, you know, kind of moving forward a little bit, you know, how do you, and you've spoken with him multiple times, you know, going back to summer league, how do you view the impact that he will make? Do you foresee this team, you know, by continuing to buy into what he's to his message? Well, you know, he said himself that, you know, He's a new coach and over the summer, everyone didn't said the right things because he's a new coach. What are you going to do? Right. You got to make an impression. Uh, he always seemed to be, he seems to be pretty grounded in terms of understanding that a lot of things are going to happen that are beyond his control. He's got to navigate for the first time and he's going to learn from his mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. But he has a vision for how he wants his team to play. He wants them to move the ball more on offense, not jack up a bunch of threes. He wants to play through Nurkic more. He wants the defense to be. You know, obviously better and, and hold people accountable in all things. I thought the most interesting thing, uh, that he said about, um, accountability is he talked about putting an address on things. And what he meant by that is assigning the, not necessarily blame, but naming the person or people who are making the mistake. So instead of saying, guys, we have to do a better, better job on weak side help, you know, they're killing us. He's going to say, Roco, <laughs> you know, and Nance, let's say, you guys are not rotating quick enough. This is what you need to do. Or we got to stop turning over the ball, guys. We're being sloppy. No, Damian, CJ, you're killing us. What are you doing? Like you're, you're being sloppy. You got to be more careful with the ball. That's how he wants to approach it. He believes the team, well, he said a lot of people believe you can't do that with today's athletes. He doesn't agree with that. He thinks you can with the right athletes who have the right mentality. And as long as you do it respectfully, right? Don't, don't embarrass them. But he, he had a funny line. He's like, Hey, if you would let them know specifically and then everyone knows specifically what they did. And then everyone knows that they too could be called out. 
it just makes things, it resonates better as opposed to we or they or I hope we can do better at this because then everyone has plausible deniability. He's not talking about me. He's not talking about me because he didn't name me. And that's literally how players think. I know this from experience. So I think that's fascinating. Dame says he's down for it. CJ says he's down for it. If those two are down for it, everyone else has to be down for it. The only question would be, and I don't think this is going to be an issue, is if two months in, Dame is like, man, I'm tired of this. I'm Damian Lillard. I scored 38. Don't tell me about something I messed up on. But I don't think Dame, as intelligent as he is, would ever do that with Chauncey Billups, who could be like, but I have one of these and you don't, which is an NBA championship ring. And I got it as a point guard. And I got it with a coach holding me accountable, a legendary Hall of Fame coach. So get with the program, but I don't think that's going to be an issue because I think Dame will buy in. And if Dame buys in, everyone's going to buy in. You know, one thing that I was struck or that that resonated with me was, uh, and I think it was Dame who brought it up, is is the similarities or comparisons that other people make between Dame and Chauncey. And and I think Dame said that, that Neil Olshay, very early in Dame's career, maybe back to his rookie season, you know, said, you remind me a lot of Chauncey, uh, you know, the way he carries himself, the way he approaches the game and, and how, how he works to make himself better. And if those two guys are aligned and if they really are that much alike, then, you know, you wonder what type of impact that can make from that standpoint. And, and obviously Chauncey brings instant credibility because, of his uh, accomplished playing career. And you pointed to your finger and, and mentioned the ring, the championship ring that, that he, you know, uh, guided as, as a point guard, all of that resonates, of course. But if, if Chauncey and Dame are very much alike, uh, th- I think that can really go a long way uh, toward, toward that energy and that voice toward maintaining that, um, you know, throughout the course of the season and piggybacking on what you were talking about, when Dame does get called out and when that accountability does surface, Dame taking it the right way and handling it the right way. There's a little bit too much being made out about this quote-unquote accountability. I don't think for nine years, Terry Stotts and multiple assistant coaches just let every guy in the locker room go willy-nilly, you know? Dude, Norman Powell, Covington were like, eh, even Dame was like, eh, it just wasn't an emphasis. Like, they said defense was optional under Stotts. You didn't get harassed as much for defense as you did for, for offense. That, that was sort of the, what people were saying, but go ahead. I don't think that in the, for nine years, no coaching staff held players accountable, yeah. I guess is the point no, I'm trying no, to make. I, no, I agree. I, yeah, no, yeah. Not, it was mainly what was going on last year is what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm okay. About okay. And, and that was a big, cause they have some good defenses in the past. Right. right? And, and it was a yeah. big theme at media day was, was how is he, right. how is he going to go about this? And there was the talk about accountability. So I understand why they were talking about this, but, um, you know, getting back to Chauncey a little bit is, you know, despite the controversy and the ancillary stuff surrounding him and in, in, in every, the way that the coaching search was handled, the fact remains that Neil Olshay is staking his career on him as, as a coach. He's got a five year deal, right? So that's a strong commitment. Four guaranteed, yeah. Yeah, four guaranteed. That's a big commitment for, for an, a first time head coach. Um, you know, he was a respected player, respected leader. You can tell that his voice already carries weight because of that. Um, and, and I think after nine years of hearing the same message, more or less, any new voice would have brought this optimism, but there definitely seems to be like 
like an it factor with Chauncey. He seems to kind of carry that uh, that that thing you can't put your finger on, but he just has it. And so, you know, I, from an impact standpoint, uh, I I think the jury's still out, but early indications are, are pretty pretty positive. We'll see when the games come. I mean, obviously, wins and losses right. are are going to solve themselves, but you know, right now it, it seems outside of how everything was handled before he got here. Uh, things have gone pretty well so far in camp. You are listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. All right, let's move on to Yusuf Nurkic, who for me, like he was last year, is the key to everything. <laughs> Like, because if he can be what he was in the bubble for that eight game stretch when he was 18, 10 and four or whatever, and just pretty much aggressive and, and taking it to the, to the rack on people and just being the Bosnian beef, beef, <laughs> the Bosnian beast. If he can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, he can't, he looks definitely like, I didn't ever saw him up per, close and personal last year. I saw him through Zoom and they say TV has 10 pounds, but he looks, a lot, like he's in way better shape right now than he was admittedly last year. He said he was out of shape coming into camp. But anyway, um, and he's rejuvenated because Billups and he, he have had discussions about how Billups is going to use him. And it's different than what Stoss was doing at least last year. Uh, because again, Billups doesn't want Dane and CJ or anyone else coming up and just the first three I get, just take it. He wants the ball to be moving. He wants to take advantage of Nurkis's, um, not only Nurkis's, Scoring ability, but his passing ability, he's a really good passer from the center position. I mean, in many ways, he's a poor man's, uh, Jokic. Like he's not Jokic, but he's does a lot of the similar things that Jokic does, except shoot the three, which he's working on. But anyway, if he can be that guy, this team's going to win 55 games because you know, Dame and CJ are going to be there. You know, Powell, I think he's going to have a better season because, uh, he's going to be more acclimated with the system and they're going to use him a lot to penetrate more because they want more paid touches. They want more points at the rim and he does that well. Uh, but if Nurkic is 18, 10, and 5 or whatever, or someone in there or just has an extreme efficiency level and is able to stay on the court, play 30-plus minutes a game, and be the rim protector he is, then this team is going to win 50-plus games and be a serious threat in the West. What do you think? Well, I mean, whenever Nurkic is, is playing at the top of his game, the Blazers are at the top of theirs. I mean, you go back to when they first made the trade for him and he rescued their season and, and, and helped them make the playoffs. And, and, you know, before he shattered his leg, he was just playing at an obscene level. And the Blazers were, were, I mean, they would later go to the Western Conference Finals, but you wonder what they could have done if he was still in the fold. And so, uh, and, and even in the bubble, uh, when they made all the noise two years ago, it was largely because of his play and his impact. And, you know, this team is, is, will ride and die. Uh, you know, based on what Dame and CJ do, but he's the, like you said, kind of the key to it all. He's, he's the, he's the the linchpin and they have to have good Nurkic to, to be a good team. My problem right now is that I need to see it and, and I need to see it consistently and I need to see it Always, because he's at the point of his career where there's no more excuses and there's no more, oh, I'm injured or or I'm overweight or I had X, Y, Z. Like 
it, it's time to show me. It's it's like show and tell time. No more talking about it. You just need to show me. We've seen this movie before. Everybody knows how important he is. The question with Yusuf right now is, can you trust him? And I have been fooled in the past of believing that I could trust him because of what I've seen and the impact that he can make. And he is so good when he's engaged and playing at the top of his game. The thing is, the Blazers need that to just be the norm. And 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 I mean, everybody has a bad game, but you can't have 10 bad games. And you, you can't be moody for X amount of games. You need to be consistent, especially when you're a veteran that he is now. And so it's a good sign that he showed up in shape. It's a good sign that he has an existing relationship with Chauncey dating back to their days in Denver. And it's a good good sign that that he's motivated. And he should be because it's a contract year for him. And so and and the Blazers got a good deal with him, a bargain with him when when they re-signed him. So um again, it's show and tell time and I I need him to show me, I guess. Yeah, he needs to show so that he can put it all together. I mean, go through all the different things he's had to deal with. He he hasn't and I, I say through no fault of his own because, you know, injuries, what are you going to do? He reached in. The, I, I still am amazed. Like he reached in to swat a ball from Malcolm Brogdon and broke his wrist. It's like, how does that happen? Um, but no, I, I yeah, he, he does need to prove it. And if he does go out and have the year that I think he can have if he's healthy, he's going to receive a huge payday, which is going to create an interesting dynamic for the Blazers. I think they would obviously try and keep him. Um, but if he doesn't, then he puts himself in an awkward position in that regard. So clearly he's going to be motivated in that way. But just – can his body hold up? Is it, you know, at some point you wonder if a guy is just injury prone. I hate using that because injury prone to me is someone who just has frailties that they can't, that they can't do anything about. Like Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway became injury prone because his body clearly was just breaking down. Nurkic just had some things that were just like, I, I can't believe that just happened. So hopefully he's not injury prone and he can put it together. Cause if he does, like I said, they're going to be phenomenal. All right. Let's move on to CJ McCollum. My man's name was involved <laughs> all season long in trade rumors. I'm using air quotes here because there's a difference between a rumor that people are just throwing it out there. What about this trade up? And actual reports that his name has really been in discussions. His name has reportedly been involved in discussions for Pascal Siakam, uh, Ben Simmons, and even the number four pick for Detroit. Clearly he didn't get traded. He's still with the Blazers. Um, I've stated that, you know, I've, I've talked to people who say they're, Portland's been hesitant to move him for Ben Simmons because they think CJ is a better, more polished adult player than Ben Simmons, who is a bit of, you know, a mystery right now. He's young. He's immature. He hasn't demonstrated the work ethic, not even close to a CJ McCollum. And they're good with CJ. CJ was off to the best start of his career, was going to be an all-star, was off to a better start than Dame was. And Dame ended up being in the MVP conversation 18 games into the season. Season CJ was out playing. He was out shooting him, out scoring him. He was killing it. And then he breaks his foot in a freak accident, misses 25 games, and he comes back. He's never quite the same. But he said the other day, he's like, last year I had to rehab my back going into the season. This year I didn't have anything to worry about injury-wise. I was able not to play catch up. Excuse me. I, was, I didn't have to play catch up in my uh, preparation. And now he's ready to roll. I think CJ is going to go bonkers, especially in this new, in this new move it around more because he is so good at finding his spots and being able to score in any type of situation he finds himself in. And, uh, I, I just, I think he's going to kill it. And that at the end of the day, I think Ben Simmons would have been a good get because he brings defense. He brings playmaking, but I don't think they're going to lose much by not making that deal because CJ is an adult, 
man on a mission. What do you think? Well, you know, it's not the first time in his career that CJ has been, you know, quote unquote, in in trade rumors. It, it seems like it's a never ending uh, scenario for him. He he always seems to be linked uh, to one rumor or another, or at the very least, there is that you know strong belief that the Blazers need to get rid of him to to get Dame his championship or make them a, a championship contender. Um, I have long said that it, it's up to the front office to surround these players with the right talent that to, to help them flourish, that they are talented enough to, um, you know, to, to, to achieve the next level heights together. Um, the jury's still out on that and the jury's still out on this roster and whether or not it, it, it is, is that roster. But I agree with you. I think CJ's poised for a huge season. We saw him play his best basketball uh, what was it over the first month before he before he got yeah, injured? Yeah, 15, 16 games something like that. Yeah, and so I don't I don't know why yeah. we wouldn't you know. What, it, I guess the question is, was that just a, a good stretch or was that the the new normal? Um, and and he's always he's already established himself as as a good player, and he's already established himself as a good match with with Dame. The question I guess is, does he take that next step to become an All Star? And I bet my hunch is if. You know, people, you pulled people around the league, media types, or even, you know, in inner circles in the league. And they said, you know, give me a guy who's never made an all-star game who, who may have that breakout season now. I guarantee you, uh, or I would bet strongly that CJ would be one of those guys mentioned who would get a lot of votes because he, he's on the cusp of taking that next step. And I think we saw, we saw that last year. Um, and look, if, if CJ wants to stay here, if, if he, if he likes it as much as he says, he needs to produce to that level. He needs to be the kind of guy, uh, that, that can push Portland to, to where they, where it wants to go. And so, um, yeah, I, I think he's poised for, for a really good season. One of the bigger mysteries that I've encountered and just dealt with just hearing people talk about this team, both inside and out is, the idea that either Dame or O'Shea or both refuse to trade CJ no matter what, or if they just haven't found the right deal and therefore they, they're just not going to make a change to make a change. Dame said himself, he's like, look, when I, I'm, I'm glad we didn't make a change just to make a change. And you have to have part, a partner in, in a trade. You know, you can't just, you know, go out and just, Hey, I want Kevin Durant, bring me Kevin Durant. Um, but do you think? Do you think, and I know this is like, you know, pie, not pie in the sky, but it's like, I'm just asking you what your thoughts, you know, there's nothing really behind this maybe, but do you think that if the right deal were on the table, CJ would be fine with trading Damien? Excuse me, Damien would be fine with CJ being traded and Neil O'Shea would pull the trigger? Anybody in the league would trade anybody for the right deal. Like, it's just, it's just a fact. Yeah, and CJ knows that. CJ is, is a right. very smart guy. He's... He's the president of the Players Association, and and one thing that I've le- you know learned over dealing with him for eight nine years is that that he's he's a confident guy and he's a really smart guy and he knows the inner workings of the league and um, I think you asked him a, about it at, at media day and he said you know look I, this isn't my first rodeo basically I've I've been through this and I know that that's part of of what comes with 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 being who I am in this league. And so, yeah, if the right deal comes along, of course, and anybody is, is tradable. So, uh, I mean, that's just a, uh, that's, e- that's an easy, yeah. 
But uh, uh, to Dame's point, you know, making a lateral move for the sake of making a trade doesn't make sense because then sometimes that backfires and then it sabotages the whole thing. So, um, Absolutely. yeah, I guess, you know, looking at the roster as is right now, the, the bigger the bigger question isn't what might happen in five months or two years from now. But but the here and now, you know, the, the most important players on the roster now and if this team is going to take a step from next year, uh, and, and I think we both think that it will, um, they're going to have to get some production from their newly uh, formed bench uh, and, and, you know, the guys outside the starting five. And I guess I wonder, you know, who do you think's poised to kind of to take that next step? Who do you think's uh, going to be one of the more integral pieces uh, to help them, you know, take that next step? Well, clearly, I think the Larry Nance move was was great because it gives you a backup four who can also play the five. Um, Cody Ziller, you know, a lot of people mock that deal, but if you go actually watch video of him and you look at his numbers, he's a pretty solid player. Like, he's a good passer. He plays good perimeter defense. He'll be good against pick and rolls because he can move his feet a little bit. He's not a rim protector or anything like that, but he he's going to be a better defender with what they want to do than Cantor was. Um, and then they got some nice pieces with Macklemore and Snell. They're shooters and the way they want to play, they want to create more shots for other people, not just Damon CJ. So those guys are going to get open looks when they play. <clears throat> but for me, the guy that I expect to have a huge impact off the bench, even more so than the last year in the second half of the season, or actually when CJ was out, is Anthony Simons. Like I still believe if Simons were on a team where they didn't, their best three players or best three or four players weren't all like him. <laughs> <laughs> which is the situation he's in. He'd be flourishing somewhere else. But I, I think he's going to be the first guy off the bench, at least, well, obviously in the backcourt he is. And I think he's going to get a good amount of minutes because I think what we're going to see out of him this year that we didn't see last year is a larger repertoire of, of offensive moves. Someone was cracking on Simons the other day about, oh, he's the only three-point shooter. So I went back through his highlights that the Blazers put out, and I wanted to find all the plays that weren't three-point shots. And it was really, really difficult. It'd be like three-pointer, 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 drive to the basket, three-pointer, 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 pull-up jump, right? It was crazy just because – and what I was told by sources during the season was that Stotts was basically telling him you – know, because they, 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 their three-point shots per game over two years went from 30 to 34 to 41, and he, he knew Simons could shoot it. So he told Simons, if you have the green light to shoot the three. And so Simons was just taking threes. He wasn't taking people off the dribble. He wasn't getting into the lane. He wasn't, you know, using his athleticism, which is elite, his quickness, which is elite, his ball handling, which is really good. Billups wants to change the way they play. He wants more paint touches. He wants more drives to the basket. So he's going to give Simons the green light to be that kind of guy. And so if Simons has, he led the team in three point percentage last year, 42%. And that was not taking a couple of games. The, the night he w- was nine for 10 on threes, those were the only 10 shots he took. Right? He took mostly threes. So he's a legitimate three-point threat. But using his athleticism to get to the basket, to create other things, I think it's going to really open the door for him to truly flourish. Now, how many minutes he's going to get? You know, because Powell is going to be one of the backup guards. We know CJ's basically the backup point guard. So there's not going to be a ton of minutes there, maybe only 20. But in that 20, I think we're going to see more from him than we saw last year. Last year, he was pretty good. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, Simons is is my pick to click or whatever you want to call it. Like, <laughs> he, he, it's his time. You know, he, he's, he's paid his dues. I think he's – he was a guy physically on media day that 
was most striking in its transformation. He looked bigger. And I don't know if someone that's... Asked him, someone beat me to it and asked him, you look like you put on some weight. And he goes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you like, know... Yes, I did. Look at my guns. And, and I guess I think back to the 19-year-old kid that, you know, came through for a pre-draft workout and then got drafted and, and you know, was just a, a... And was skinny to begin with. Some of that's just a man getting his man weight. But a lot of that is is muscle, too, and, and him yeah. getting just bigger and stronger. And so that will help if he is going to, you know, be more in the paint or, or you know, be more of a slasher. Um, and, and we're talking about a slam dunk champion here. We're talking about a guy who certainly has the ability and the leaping ability to to make an impact there. Uh, a guy with supreme athleticism uh, who can impact the game in a lot of ways. You know, we talk about defense, though. You know, is he going to be able to improve there? And I know you did a lot of research on that last year, and and and, and he had made quite a substantial jump in in his production. Yeah, and so got him back in the rotation, yeah. right? And so that's all part of the growth. What is this? Is his fourth year, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, isn't it amazing? It's, no, it's, yeah, it's insane. Year. So my man can drink. Draft. You know, it's it's like he can rent a car. I think now he can do whatever <laughs> he wants almost. But it's like. I just think it's a combination of of uh, a new coaching staff with a new perspective on him and, and and just where he's at in his career that it's just kind of his time. I mean, let's not forget how much uh, Neil Olshay hyped him at training camp or in media day, you know, this time a year, three years ago or whenever that was two years ago um, yeah. for him to, you know, saying he's going to be special and. Um, and so now I think the opportunity will, will be there for him to do that. I also, you know, I was struck just in tenor and, uh, likability by Larry Nance Jr. I, mm, I, I was really yeah. impressed with, uh, you know, his demeanor, how he handled himself. I think Blazers fans are going to absolutely love this guy. I, I think you're going to love this guy. He seems like a guy who's going to be great for us, but I also loved his, and he wasn't just talk. You could tell that he really meant it. He's like, I don't care what role I have. I don't care if I play two minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. You know, I want us to be a winning team. I want to be a playoff team. And that's a guy who's who's been on the other side for many, many years after his first taste in the league was getting to the finals, I believe. And so uh, it's a guy with perspective, a guy with, uh, you know, NBA pedigree from his father, obviously. Um, but a guy with a personality that is just going to mesh perfectly with Portland. I mean, he's talking about taking his daughter to Thorns games and talking about going to Timbers games and, you know, talking a little bit of politics even and social justice and how that will mesh with the majority of folks in this town. And, um, you know, Neil Olshay gets a lot of criticism for a lot of things, but he has always been very astute at identifying guys like Larry Nance Jr., guys like Robin Lopez, uh, guys like many of his second round successes, guys like Seth Curry. He is really good at, at, at getting, I won't say the bottom of the barrel, but getting that second, third tier NBA player and getting them in the Blazers system. And then suddenly they become uh, a really good piece and an important piece on a successful team. And I, my, my hunch, my gut tells me that he's going to be the next guy to fall in line with that, to be the next guy who kind of emerges in that standpoint and pretty good defender who, who will fit on a bench that, that, you know, he, he expressed a willingness to defend. So I think that'll be important. Um, but look with this team, 
the biggest transformation is going to be that bench and that second unit. And specifically, when we talk about the Blazers' defense, that's where it's going to come. Because you don't have to watch Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony play together on just a hideous <laughs> defensive bench anymore. And so automatically you're going to be better. And then if there's a new Absolutely. approach and a new mindset, I mean, that's going to make the world a difference, I think. I think just bringing Cody Zeller, well, having Nurkic for the whole season, knock on something, knock on wood. I'm going to help the Blazers out here. Knock on some wood for him. Um, <clears throat> having Zeller instead of Cantor, God bless Cantor, phenomenal person, great rebounder, et cetera, but defensively, liability, we all know this, and having Nance instead of Carmelo. I think just that alone, your defense is going to go from 29th to 15th, <laughs> like literally. And that's only like a three-and-a-half-point per one possession difference, really. It's only five-point difference from 10th to, to 29th. So then if you also have a change in accountability and attitude, they're, they have a chance to be right around 10, 11, 12, maybe. I think that's absolutely realistic. And the thing I really love about Nance, along with all the things that you talked about, was that he not only does he accept being or or want to be, or excuse me, want to play defense, he wants to excel at defense. Like he's coming in with the mentality where that's my job. Carmelo came off the bench looking to score, right? Just God bless him. He's one of the greatest scorers of all time. He's 10th, right? All time. Um, but that's what he came in looking to do. Nance is going to come into the game looking to be, to set screens, to play defense, to, you know, guard whoever needs to be guarding. Who's killing us? I'll take him and be that to a junkyard dog off the bench. And that alone is just going to change everything. And plus, He's developing a three-point shot. He shot 36% last year. He's got athleticism. He can, he can finish at the rim. Uh, so no, I, I, yeah, that was a huge get. And you mentioned how Neil, Neil Shea is really good at that. That's one of the things that drives me nuts about some of the criticisms about him. Yes, he hasn't pulled off the bega deal. How many teams have? Like you said, you're not going to just wake up and get Giannis. Uh, Damien said you're not just going to show up and just, Hey, I want Durant. I come on to Portland, but it's those little moves that he makes that people mock. Until they get here and they see them play and fit. And every player they got, they got because Billups wanted them as well and had a vision for how they're going to fit. So mock Snell if you want. Snell's going to get a lot of wide open threes in the corner and shoot 50% on them. Mock Macklemore, mock Zeller. Do whatever you want with these guys, but they're going to fit in what they're doing as a team. And I think the bench is considerably better than it was last year. So we agree on that 100%. Do we have a disagreement today? We didn't have one, did we? Boy, that's that's odd. That's garbage. Cut. Start over. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? You're letting you're letting things slide. If if you haven't drummed up some nonsensical argument, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, wow. Come on. Nonsensical. That was, that, you know what? There's nothing in the world you could have called me that would insult me more than nonsensical. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> nice. You'd be a deal breaker, Joe. Here, here. Let me. Let me. If my wife said that. I'd be calling 1-800-DIVORCE right now. Just so you know, I'm, I'm going to have to write that down. Nonsensical. How Get, to push Pinterest's yes, button. Button Pinterest. All right, good. Check. And mate. All right. Okay, one other thing I want to ask before we go. We're, we're almost done here, but one, one thing came up. Pick and roll. My God, when I, when I wasn't covering this beat, when I was working at NBC Sports Northwest, and I would go on talking ball in the summer, and we'd talk Blazers all year, all summer, it seemed like every other show, people were crying about the pick and roll. <laughs> pick and roll. How do we play the pick and roll? Pick and roll. And, and Stotts like to drop, right? Drop the big, give up, and you give up those little jumpers to people. 
Billups is going the complete other direction, right? They're gonna they're gonna come out high on the guy. Dame's like all for it, which tells me he wasn't for what they were doing before. But here's my thing about this. And again, I used to tune it out. It's not like you can just say, we're not going to drop the big ever and just shut teams down, right? There's a counter for everything. So how big of a deal do you think this is really going to be? Well, first of all, let's backtrack to the genesis of of Terry Stott's belief in that. Oh, God. As an assistant coach, he did it both ways. In <laughs> Seattle and Dallas, you know, they they he's done it both ways over his career. Right. But after the first year with the Blazers, they identified that defense needed to change. And so with personnel and everything they had, they decided that that was the tactic to take. And then, so they spent the offseason overhauling it and working with Joel, Pris, uh, not Prisbilla, uh, Joel Freeland and, you know, their bigs at the time. And was, that might have been when Robin Lopez arrived. I, I can't even keep it straight. I'm so old now. And, and they established this based on personnel. Well, over the course of his career, Stotts got stubborn with it. He, he became inflexible with it. And my belief on defense, and anybody who's played basketball knows with me knows that I have no right talking about defense, is that <laughs> uh, you need to be flexible and you need to be versatile and you need to be multidimensional and, you know, uh, yeah. not stuck in your ways. And and so I think what this will do is is – First of all, it will create a more aggressive, attacking, you know, uh, constant movement mindset, you know, which will, in theory, alter your mindset defensively where, hey, we're going to be more aggressive here. Let's let's, you know, let's be on our toes. Um, but then in theory, also when appropriate, you will be able to lean back on the playing it more safe and trying not to give up because because the whole philosophy behind that from Terry was let's not give up threes. Let's uh, force mid-range jumpers and let's protect the paint. Um, and so that's the theory behind it. The problem was they weren't very good at it. Um, the analytics people will tell you the mid-range shots that were shot in basketball. So that's, you know, kind of the whole point of behind that defense. But again, going back to my point is, yes, Aaron, everybody's going to counter everything. And the whole, all of basketball is about pick and roll. Every play has multiple pick and rolls and multiple screens. And that's, that's basketball. Um and so there's no way to perfectly perfectly defend it. But I think, again, the aggressive mindset and just being versatile and, and being a more flexible, I think, assuming that Chauncey will be flexible, uh, could potentially go, you know, a long way towards helping helping the team's defense. And also, wasn't it also doubly frustrating sometimes because teams were not dropping against Damien in the pick and roll, right? They were They were blitzing him. Yeah, so so if, so if he's you know getting frustrated because teams, teams keep blitzing at him all the time, but yet when they're on defense, they're not doing that, and there's a ton of great point guards in the league, you know. So I could see, yeah, I've never understood the idea of just being completely stubborn on something, especially when it's not having great success. And and if someone like Nurkic isn't buying into it because he doesn't feel like he's getting help or he's left out on an island, then you lose Nurkic, and um, right. you know, and and. Again, it's just the the inflexibility of it all, the the stubbornness to to you know dig your heels in and not be more um, you know able to adjust or 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 whatever you want to call it. I, I think that that's a bigger issue than anything because the Blazers in the past did have success with that. They just had the right personnel or whatever. Now the the other side of the coin here is it's it's gonna 
it's going to tire Dame and CJ and all the guards out more. They're going to have to work harder uh, and be more aggressive on defense while also bringing on the other ends. That's one of the things Billups has talked about is that that's one of the reasons why they got Macklemore um, and and they expect more from Simons is that they, they want to take some of the pressure off of Dame and CJ and offense and run the offense through everybody and move it around more so that maybe their scoring will come down, but the defense will improve and those points will go to other people. You know, other people are capable of hitting. I mean, everyone, they got eight guys on the team who will drain a wide open shot, right? So what's a better shot? Dame step back three with five seconds on the shot clock or Mclemore wide open in the corner? Mclemore in the corner. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Blazer Focus podcast. Please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a future episode and leave us a positive rating or at least leave Joe a positive rating. If you, <laughs> one of us, give one of us a positive rating. That would be nice. Uh, we're in the honeymoon phase with the Blazers. Everything's all hunky-dory. First preseason game is Monday at home, I think, against Phoenix. Uh, and then they have another one the following Monday. And then we'll start to get a really, well, preseason, we won't get a true idea of what these guys are about. But regular season's around the corner, and we'll see how things roll. We'll be back later with another episode. Enjoy the, the new regime. Blazers fans, we'll see how it goes.